You're listening to the Maximum Advisor Podcast, a show that empowers financial advisors to set goals, take action, and grow their practice. Your host, Chip Munn, is an award-winning advisor and CEO whose advice is regularly featured in Business Insider, Thrive Global, and The Streets Retirement Daily. Listen in as he sits down with industry experts to talk about building a practice and making an impact. Welcome back to the Maximum Advisor. I'm your host, Chip Munn, and today I'm joined by Brittany Anderson. Brittany is the Director of Operations at Sweet Financial, co-founder of Dare to Dream Enterprises. She is the co-host of the Ultimate Advisor podcast and a founder of Ultimate Advisor Coaching. She's an author, mom, and much, much more. Brittany, that's a mouthful. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chip. I'm tired just listening to that. (laughs) Can't imagine living it. I'll tell you what, uh, you are certainly someone who wears many hats. And I've had a chance to hear you share your story of kind of how you got into the business and how your progress, I think, is inspiring to a lot of people. So tell us a little bit about kind of how you got here. Sure. Well, Chip, thank you for having me on today. I love this conversation and and love getting the chance to talk to you. So, you know, really where I started out was outside of the wealth planning industry. It was kind of happenstance. I, I saw a job ad for a position at Sweet Financial Services in their client service department. And I don't know what it was, if it was the beautiful building, the smiling faces or what on the website, but I felt compelled to work there. So fast forward, I ended up getting the job and I quickly found that paperwork was not my forte. I could do it and it was fine, but I I felt called to something different. Ended up moving into the operations role and through that was able to work really closely with Brian Sweet, the founder. And it's actually funny, we tell the story about how when I was moving into operations and kind of being that second in command for him, that he was a little skeptical at first. And it actually took a person that he had hired to find somebody for this role to say, Hey, I think Brittany is your gal. So we joke about how he was offering, you know, Mercedes Benz's out there and throwing out all these huge dollar amounts to these big wig people. And nobody would bite the bullet and move to Southern Minnesota. And then there I was, and we evolved and it's been a great relationship since. And I still don't have my Mercedes. So (laughs) like to tease about that. Well, hopefully after Brian hears this, he'll have an opportunity to get out to the dealership before Christmas. So yeah, I hope so. I hope a big bow on it. You know, as that has kind of evolved, you know, you shared some of the other business endeavors that I'm involved with now and, you know, really working closely with Brian and getting exposed to different platforms, different mastermind programs, different amazing business minds, I had a calling to, you know, kind of pursue my own entrepreneurial journey and really support more businesses than just Sweet Financial, but all while kind of sharing some of the best practices through them. So it's been a fun journey. It's been really exciting. And this whole journey is how I met you, Chip. So that's a win. For us both, I would say. And, (laughs) you know, it's one of those things that when you say the term second in command, I think it probably could mean different things to different people. It kind of gives me that Top Gun kind of, you know, vibe. And I'm curious from your perspective, because you're one of the places that I kind of heard it phrased that way first. What does that mean? What does it mean to have a second in command? What do they do? Kind of tell me a little bit about that. 
You know, that's a great question, Chip. And it's one that we hear a lot when you look at people that are like, I'm just trying to fill the role of the person to kind of take care of the whirlwind. So really what the second in command does is you as the business owner, you as the primary entrepreneur, the founder, your focus should really be on the vision, the future vision of the company, on growth, on what the next level of success looks like. And in turn, you need somebody to be able to take care and kind of man the ship per se, and be that second person to make sure that things are going smoothly, that the team is all going in the right direction, that everybody's on the same page, and everybody is moving towards the vision that you are putting ahead of everyone. So what happens is, is a lot of times with the founder, with that entrepreneur, that spirit can be one can be a little bit difficult to follow at times because we like to chase shiny objects. We like the squirrels, right? We're going one direction and it's like, well, this idea seems great. Let's go here. So you need that person to be able to help, number one, keep you focused, but also be the bridge of communication between you and your team. So really the role of the second in command is to be able to make all ends meet to help keep people focused, you included, (laughs) and to help move the whole entire team towards that bigger vision while making sure that the wheels don't fall off, that everything is smooth, and that everybody is completely aligned. So if I were to give just kind of a bird's eye view definition to that, that's what I would have to say. Because you guys, similar to our situation, you have a pretty big operation. It's not a small endeavor by any means. And so I think that there could be some folks who are listening who it's a little bit hard to digest to say, well, if I had a really big team, I could see why I would need this. When you look at and work with advisors, where do you see the need to begin the process of training up and bringing in a second command? Is there an asset threshold? Is it a revenue thing? How do you tend to really find where it's best to start? That's a great question, Chip. And I would say that when people start getting to that, you know, one and a half million dollar revenue point, even once they just broach over the seven figures, one to one and a half million, that's where we typically see people having new complexities. At every level of business, regardless of where you're at, you're going to hit new ceilings of complexity. You're going to have new problems, bigger problems that come with a bigger operation. So I would say right around that seven-figure mark is where you want to start looking seriously at this. And the one thing that I will say as almost like a precursor to that question is if you are listening to this and you're a one-man or one-woman operation and you're kind of looking at how do I decide what to hire first? Because honestly, that's probably the first question leading up to getting to the point of a second-in-command. You know, you want to look at finding somebody to kind of take the day-to-day to-dos or tasks or different operations off your plate. So you actually should first look at more of a personal assistant. So again, depending upon where you're at in your business, if you're listening to this, number one, if you're to the point of not needing a second in command yet, you're genius for being on this because you're going to be five, 10 steps ahead of the game when it comes time. You're going to know exactly what to look for how to fill this position, how to describe the position, because that can be hard too when you're like, well, I know I need a second person or somebody to kind of drive the ship, but what the heck are they supposed to do? So I just wanted to add that into the conversation that I think it's important that if you're not quite to the point of needing that second in command, somebody to actually run a team, help run your business for you essentially, 
you need to look at that assistant type role to be able to get like appointment scheduling off your plate basic tasks where you're filling out paperwork, you're processing, you're doing some of the behind the scenes so that you can be freed up to continue driving your revenue so you can get to that seven-figure point and be ready to hire a second-in-command. So what's the difference for those of us who are, again, in a solo to two-partner kind of practice, what's the difference between a second-in-command and an administrative assistant? That's another great question. You know, an administrative assistant, the way that I look at it is they're kind of taking care of you. Like an administrative assistant or a personal assistant, whatever, an executive assistant, however you want to title that, they're really taking care of everything to do with you. So that could be, you know, some examples of things are appointment scheduling. It could be some of your back and forth communication, trying to coordinate with clients, with vendors, with you know, wholesalers, with whatever it is that you're doing. So you're not doing some of that back and forth. You know, Initially, they could do some of the paperwork processing. So they're supporting everything to do with you and, and your book per se. Whereas a second in command, when you get to that level of needing somebody, they're not just manning you, they're manning the whole operation. So this person has to understand the books. They have to understand your processes and your people and how you do things and the bigger vision and what your focus should be. So yes, they're going to help you keep your focus. The personal assistant or the administrative assistant is the one that's actually going to be doing the hands-on stuff to do with you. But the second in command should truly be looking at the operation as a whole. Compliance, client interaction, client response, all of the stuff that really makes your business run and run well is what they should be handling. So. For me, my assistant is feels sometimes more like a babysitter. You know, it's kind of like, no, you need to, <laughs> to do so-and-so. And it's interesting to me, just as an aside with that, that I had a meeting with some of our administrative folks today, and we were working on a process, and they said, yeah, we'd rather do it without any of you being the advisors having to be involved. Can you just show me how to do it one time? Because we're always waiting on you all. And it seems to me like that would be the kind of thing that a second-in-command could kind of grease the skids, could make sure that you know, that, that runs smoothly, because I do think you're right. It's almost like an interpreter sometimes between the two sides of the, the sales and the administrative side of the business. Brittany, you said that you kind of grew up into this position. And much like I was listening to something earlier today, that book, Acres of Diamonds, Mm. much like that, you said Brian didn't know what he had in his own backyard. How do you know if you have the right person to grow into that? What should we look for? Or how do we go about going out and, and what do we look for when we're trying to find one from the outside? So, you know, when you're looking for this type of role, I think it's important. There's a couple things that I would take into consideration. If you're looking at kind of farming your own backyard, for example, and really looking to see the talent and the capability on your team, the first thing that I always recommend is start having conversations with people. Like start having conversations with people on your team to find out what are their interests in your business. You know, just because they're in one given role and that's what they got hired into and they seem to be doing well in it, maybe that's not their passion. 
So when you're looking from an operations type perspective or somebody to really be able to step into and understand the full facets of the company, you want somebody that has that drive in the first place. So if you see somebody that's excelling across the board, you know, that has a really positive attitude, that's a natural leader, a question that I've gotten before too is, well, how do you know if they're a natural leader? And I'm like, when you know, you know, (laughs) I mean, that's one that kind of just hits you in the face. You know, it's someone who in a team meeting, they're not afraid to speak up, not in necessarily a, you know, dominant overbearing way, but they're not afraid to share idea and they have insight and, you know, they're able to look at things outside the box. You know, that's something that Brian and I, Brian Sweet, the founder of Sweet Financial, that we talk about a lot is when you notice somebody's ability to really think outside of that proverbial box that they may be working in, living in, existing in, or whatever, that's another big indicator for somebody with potential to be able to kind of take over that operation component of the business. You know, also somebody that's highly organized. You know, that's one thing that I would say is that if you're looking at a second in command, they cannot be all over the place. They can't be somebody who's, you know, maybe more of the creative marketing brain. The creative marketing brain is probably not going to be the person that you bring in to be your main operations person. The other thing too is, you know, there are different assessments out there that you can administer to kind of gauge how somebody inherently behaves, interacts, all that good stuff. You don't want to use that as a true determinant to your hiring or a sole determinant, I should say. But something, for example, like the Colby Index A, that's a great assessment. If you haven't checked that out, you just Google it, the Colby Index A, K-O-L-B-E. Highly recommend looking at that because what's said is that if you're looking for an operations or a second-in-command type role, Anybody who were to score kind of middle range for all four of the quadrants that they measure on, that's somebody that you want to scoop up immediately because it shows their flexibility in dealing with other personality types, other individuals and how they operate or how they work. That's a really good indicator. Now, a whole other conversation is I also fully believe that a person can grow and evolve and decide to change and completely revamp who they are, completely level up as a human being. So that can happen. A person may not always be the right fit for that given position, but these are a couple things that are good indicators when you're trying to scout for and look for that second in command type material. So I have to ask, what's your Colby score? Six, five, seven, three. Okay. All right. Well, so you're pretty close to that bridge. I'm pretty close to that kind of middle of the road. I definitely am more of kind of the visualizer versus the hard tactical implementation. My husband says that's why I keep him around because he can do like the actual physical implementation. I just come up with the great ideas, right? (laughs) I feel you. And I'm a 4293. And so it's Ah. one of those things where for those who are listening, I'm a nine quick start, which means I'm aim fire ready. I wrote a book (laughs) one time called Leap Before You Look. And it's literally... Kind of that's kind of how my career has been because I go first. And what is the analogy? It's kind of like jumping off of a mountain and trying to build the airplane on the way down or, or something yeah. to that effect. And so it is, it's interesting because our COO, Barry, is exactly what you said, which is about a five, six, five, four, or a, he's all in the middle and a little bit like kind of that interpreter who can, because my partner, also kind of a senior advisor, our chief investment officer is more like a, a seven, eight, three, four or something like, so he's high on the research 
and the follow through. And at least from what I know of Colby, if you're more than about four numbers apart, I think that's where you start to rub. And so having a director of operations who really can speak and see both sides, I think makes a, a big, big difference. Brittany, when you look at a practice, whether it's yours or, and you may want to share some things that you all have been through, or just when you're talking to other advisors, when you're doing coaching or, or whatever, what are some of the struggles that you see in kind of trying to figure all this out? You know, one of the biggest things that I see, and, and honestly, Chip, you've kind of hinted at this a little bit or pressed on this a little bit is number one, when you look at finding somebody to be that middleman, I just want to hone in on this for a minute is a lot of times the primary in the firm, you know, the primary owner, the primary advisor, you know, you got into this business like Chip said, like you said, it's sales, right? Like that's essentially why you came into this. You didn't necessarily come into this to manage a bunch of people. But if you're a high achiever, if you're highly driven and you're constantly moving towards that next level of success, there comes a time where you got to get people, right? You have to have people and you want to have the best. So one of the struggles that I see over and over and over again is really kind of twofold here. Number one, it's how do I put the right butts in seats? And then how do I manage them per se, but really let them shine so I don't have to manage them. So that's a big one because most advisors or most business owners in general weren't like, you know what, I want to get into this business so I can manage people. That just is so energizing to me. No, you want to work with clients. You want to impact their lives. You want to close the next sale because it feels good because you know you have value. You're adding to that individual. You worrying about kind of the whirlwind of the business and the team and even the books. I mean, I've, I've known brilliant financial minds that are like, I absolutely hate dealing with my books. I'm just kind of like going with it because there's cash in the checking account. These bills get paid every month and I know that's good. And we're talking like very successful individuals who feel this way. So that's okay. Like you don't have to be all do all. You just have to find the right people to fill those holes for you. And I know that can be a challenge. So part of this whole journey is if you can find and invest in a second in command. And notice I said invest because I truly believe that you should actually find this person sooner than later. Like don't wait until you're bleeding from the sides and, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in desperate need of somebody to manage this whirlwind. Do it proactively, do it in advance, make that investment in this person, in your business and in yourself actually, so that you can kind of be ahead of the game and you don't have to do it when the wheels are shaky and falling off. But then the other side of this, and, and this is where Chip, you were pressing on a little bit is, you know, when you look at delivery, when you look at that bridge of communication, a lot of times, again, as the primary, as the business owner, as the entrepreneurial minded individual, you can come across a little intense. You know, some of that intensity can be heated and, and you're not trying to be that way, but you're passionate. And it's like your business is your baby and it's your next milestone of growth. And you are just hot after it. And your team is looking at you with deer in the headlights going, what the heck is going on? And do we even really need to implement this? Because next week, Chip's going to come to us with a brand new idea and we're going to forget about this one. So we're not going to put a lot of effort into it. So that's the danger of not having a second in command or a person to be able to bridge the gap to close, or I should say close and open those lines of communication because they can master their delivery, right? They can be the ones that focus on that. 
you then go from having one to many to one to one. So you're talking to your second in command. They're essentially a filter for you to be able to vet ideas before you go and bombard or overwhelm the team. And then they can take that delivery and whatever it is you're trying to go for, if it's a project, if it's a new process, if it's a new client offering, you know, whatever that looks like, that second in command can be the person that says, here's what we need to implement. Here's what the end result looks like. And here's how it ties into the greater vision. And then you as the entrepreneur can be on to the next thing. Well, and I think that it's important for folks who are listening. I have often called myself an accidental entrepreneur. I took a sales job. I really didn't know what I was getting into. Frankly, I read a book about mutual funds and kind of BS my way through an interview. You know, <laughs> so it's one of those things where you get to a point where all of a sudden you're kind of like the dog that caught the car. You don't know how you got here, but you've been successful and it can be frustrating because, you know, for me, I've always said I don't fail well. And so to get to a point where you're just kind of out of your depth from a, not even just a training standpoint, but from a want to, you know, you should, you know, your business could run better. So if you're listening and that's you, there's no shame in that. I hope this conversation will free you from that because that's the whole point of really bringing on somebody, whether you're bringing on an admin and kind of growing them over time, kind of investing in them, or if you're having to go out and find somebody now to already be that person. I think, Brittany, you guys have read Rocket Fuel. Uh, it's, It's one of the best books I ever read because it talked about organizational whiplash and my folks would tell you that we certainly suffered from that because for those of us as lead advisors, whichever way we turn our head, the whole body goes. And so I think it's definitely an important thing to have somebody who can, again, filter. I thought that was a great word that you used because, again, in the same book, it says the visionary or the entrepreneur will have 10 ideas and one of them's great, four of them will completely bankrupt the company. So having somebody who looks at it from a different point of view and probably hiring too, would you agree with that? The the second in command and somebody who kind of falls into that personality type, if you will, are they a better person for hiring than an entrepreneur? Because I can see the good in anything. Like I can figure out how anything will work out. And it often, particularly in hiring, isn't necessarily, I don't know that that's, a particularly good quality. What do you think? You know, it's funny, Chip, because I would say you're 100% dead on with that. And especially people that are entrepreneurial in nature. And I want to give this differentiation is that there is a difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur. Like the entrepreneur is constantly looking for new ideas and opportunities, and they see opportunity in everything. So you put that in the hiring mix and good Lord, you can come across (laughs) some really dangerous hires because you have a tendency, like you said, to see the good or the opportunity. And the bottom line is, is that you have to have a culturally good fit. And sometimes, again, the entrepreneur, that brain or that, that primary advisor is not always focused on the culture because they're focused on the next growth. Now, some are great with culture, and I don't want to take that away from anybody that's listening that's like, oh my gosh, I eat, sleep, and breathe and created my culture. What do you mean? 
There's some that are great, but there's others that are not so great. So really when you look at hiring as a whole, and I'm going to spin this a little bit, Chip, just for a minute, is I think that the second in command is the person who should embody, breathe, eat, sleep, everything, the culture of your company. Because then when they are vetting for new people to bring on board, they're hiring and measuring against a cultural fit versus an actual like job fit. Because again, you could see opportunity in anyone. You're like, well, you can teach anybody pretty much any skill set out there. But if culturally they're going to upset the apple cart, all of a sudden you're going to impact other people on your team that are A players in a, a potentially negative way. So yeah, I would say dead on, you absolutely want to delegate the hiring to a second in command. Number one, it's not the best use of your time. And number two, there's a good chance you're probably not the best suited for that particular role. I know I'm not, and I'm even less suited for the opposite end of that conversation. When it comes time where maybe you need to do something, go in a different direction. Some people have a gift for that. And I think that God bless them. I'm just glad that folks like you are in the world because folks like me need you. And so it is definitely you know, something that I think is important. Now, quick question. This is maybe a little bit off. What's more important, the culture or the vision? Oh, hands down, I think the vision. Because I think without the vision, you can't clearly define and articulate the culture. You know, I think that's actually a really powerful question, Chip, because so often people kind of skip that step of saying like, here's what the future looks like. Here's the vision we have for the company. Because without that, how do you figure out the right people to move towards that? So I would say vision has to come before culture because culture is built off of vision. I would agree. So I'm, I'm glad. Now I know how smart you are because you agree with me, right? But it would be my argument that culture is right up. The, it, it literally only comes after vision. And so having somebody who would share a vision with you and be a guardian kind of of that culture, it really is, you know, one of the best decisions I've ever made. There have been three. Was partnering up with my partner 22 years ago. About 12 years ago, 13 years ago, our assistant walked into the office and she's now our director of operations and yeah, I looked at him. We didn't have a job for her. There were no openings. And I said, well, you only get one chance to draft Michael Jordan. And we hired her. And now she's the director of operations of our entire company. And then a couple of years ago, teaming up with our COO. And, and so all my best investments ever, and I, I'm in the investment business, supposedly, have been in people and finding those people who can really kind of get you through that ceiling of complexity. Amen. And I would agree with that wholeheartedly is, you know, when you start investing in people and human capital, truly, it's amazing at what you unleash. And actually, I mean, I would say if you're doing it right, you should be a little bit worried about their full potential and not in the sense that they're going to leave. Cause if you have an amazing vision and a culture and everybody's on board, but they're going to start looking at things in a really creative way. And that entrepreneurial mindset can actually filter to your employees, right? If you have a great team around you, and I think, Chip, that's what makes your operation work so well, is that they see your vision. They can hear it, feel it, taste it, everything. And they're able to get aligned to that. And that's where potential soars. 
And man, I bet everybody on here can think of a time where, you know, Chip, you made the comment about if you can draft Michael Jordan, you do it. So I bet everybody could think about a time where, where you were told that you were the Michael Jordan of the industry, right? Where you were told, somebody told you you had potential that maybe you didn't see in yourself. You got in business, right? Like you decided to be the business owner. You decided to be the entrepreneur. It's up to you to find that talent in people too, or to see it, I should say. Maybe not find it, but see it, recognize it and speak to it. Because that's when people start to shine. Sometimes all they need is that little boost. Well, I don't know about you, but I keep a list of people around town that I would like to work with. Amen. You know, if I run across somebody in a Brittany, I have to ask for the audience, what was your job prior to working at Sweet? I actually managed a jewelry store. Totally different industry. Well, and I think that speaks to, in fact, most of our younger advisors didn't come from the industry. And I guess I would point that out because you've obviously excelled in your practice and your business. And now you're working with other practices. And prior to you were working at running a jewelry store, it doesn't have to come from this business. So when we talk about the idea of going out and finding or drafting Michael Jordan, you don't have to go look at a bank or an insurance company or another brokerage firm. Just be out looking for the kind of people that you'd want to work with who you notice can do the job that one day you'll need. I, like I said, I personally keep a list in my wallet of people that if I ever have an opening, they're the first people I call. We're the same way. Like we do the same thing. And personally, from my own hiring experiences, there's two of my favorite kind of methods for hiring and one big reason behind it. Number one, I love when we can find a killer intern that's hungry, that's fresh out of college that, you know, maybe we had as an intern during their junior or senior year, and then we're able to bring them on and really teach them our methods. Right. So that's one that I like. The other one that I like is exactly what you were just talking about. Chip is actually looking outside of your industry. Now, the reason I like that is because you don't have bad habits per se that you have to break. So again, if, if you're a business that's solely focused on, you have a clear vision for your future, you have an amazing culture that's built, and you're bringing in somebody that maybe has some preconceived notions as to how your industry and your world operates, that can sometimes be a detriment actually. So experience doesn't always trump what can come with just finding a person that you're like, this is just gold. This person's gold. I don't know what it is, but there's something that gut feel that you get. And I always say, trust your gut because it doesn't lie to you. That gut feel that you get when somebody is just a perfect fit for your culture and you know that they're going to be aligned with your vision. So those are kind of the two different methods that we like best when you look at hiring. Well, I think that it was Steve Spurrier that said, it's a lot easier to slow them down than it is to speed them up. And oh, yeah. I think that's definitely true. You know, somebody with a lot of experience who doesn't have a lot of kind of get up and go in our world can really quickly, in my opinion, be surpassed by someone who you'd have to slow down. That They're just self-motivated and a, you know, a lifelong kind of a vigorous learner. Yeah. Your mind tends to find what you're looking for. And so, you know, my encouragement to our listeners would be, to get really clear on exactly what that is. Brittany, as we kind of wrap up, one of the things that's important is being able to leave with something actionable. We're an action-oriented yeah. podcast. And so if our listeners wanted to go out and just take a step, they've heard something and it interests them, they know that they want to look into something 
more or different? What would be one thing that they could do today to move in that direction? I love that question. And I think that, you know, if you're looking at just the topic of the second in command, there's a couple um, really, really good books that I recommend that you can read because you can go out and you can do this immediately, order them immediately, and you can put them into practice. So number one is, you kind of stole my thunder there, Chip, but Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman. Absolutely amazing. So if you're looking to get so clear and basically have the job description of a second in command written for you, go buy that book. I have no affiliation with Gino. I've just read all of his stuff. We've implemented a lot of his methods and practices into multiple businesses that I'm involved with and it works. So that's one thing I would do. You know, the other is there's a book by Cameron Harold called Vivid Vision. And that's another great resource for you. If you're having a hard time, you're like, yeah, I want to grow. And I know sort of what I want to be when I grow up per se, but I don't know how to get really granularly clear with that. I recommend going and ordering that book. It's great. It helps you paint a very clear, vivid vision, (laughs) just like the title would tell to help you really decide like, what do you want for your business and understanding that the brightest minds, the brightest business minds out there understand there's really not a separation between your business and your personal life. But if you're doing it right, it all kind of meshes together. And that's what I like about that particular process is it allows you to get clear so that you can truly build your business around your life versus your life around your business. And I think there's power in that. And that's when you start making really smart decisions because your values are clear there's a Roy Disney quote, and and I don't have it right in front of me, but it's something along the lines of once you're clear on what your values are, making decisions becomes really easy. And I think there's something to be said about that within your business, within your personal life and for your team, and especially for hiring and finding that right second in command. Yeah, I I don't think there's any question. And we'll put both of those books in the show notes. If you're somebody who maybe the traction Traction is Gino's other book. And Rocket Fuel, maybe you you look at that and you're not there yet. And I wholeheartedly agree with going out and ordering them. I probably would throw in the E-Myth by Michael Gerber just from an additional, even maybe a primer to Rocket Fuel. And I will tell you, those are two books that have literally changed my life. E-Myth 20 years ago and Rocket Fuel in the last two years. And so I think you nailed that as far as getting out and and really understanding it. Brittany, if our listeners have heard something that just piques their interest, they want to learn more about you, where'd be a good place for them to find you or reach out? So you can shoot me an email at Brittany at ultimateadvisorcoaching.com or go check out the site. Ultimateadvisorcoaching.com is the general website. And you can kind of check out the fun stuff that we do and that we put out for advisors and, and how we support people in the growth of their business and their teams. Well, Brittany, thank you for coming on. If you're listening to this, any of this sounds like you, if you've struggled with trying to figure out what the next move is. It's normally going to be a who, who the next move is to move you in that next direction. I encourage you, check the show notes, look at some of the things that we've talked about, reach out to Brittany or to me. You can reach me at chip at MaximumAdvisor.com. And we look forward to be back with you again real soon. To download what we believe is the single most important marketing, selling, and positioning tool for your practice, go to MaximumAdvisor.com scorecard now.
Join the conversation in our private Maximum Advisor Facebook group. And subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at MaximumAdvisor.com.